This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Recently, the Society for Human Resource Managers did an article about working in Europe, and they were highlighting the differences between the U.S. work environment and the European work environment. And one of the things that I would say as an observation is that in the U.S., we have much more of what I'd call an employer-centric culture, whereas in Europe, there's much more of an employee-centric culture kind of a culture. And employees have a lot more rights in some respects than U.S.-based employees do. So one of the countries that was highlighted in this article was Germany. And since I previously lived and worked in Germany, I thought that I would share some insights today about lessons that we can learn from Germany, from Europe. And the reason that we're talking about it is, number one, there are a number of global U.S.-based companies that actually hire employees in Europe and other places across the globe. So there are some best practices and lessons that can be learned for those entities. And then secondly, even for just companies operating in the United States, it's useful to think about what we can learn from Europe and specifically from Germany about the value of balance in life, and also about partnerships between employers and employees. So in the country of Germany, workers really have rights and benefits. They have job security, decent salaries, and some permanency most of the time with respect to their work contracts. And if you are employing people in Germany, it's required that you have a written employee contract. You can't just agree to things verbally because that means that you may not be held to those standards if it's just verbal. The German law also reigns supreme. So even if you agree to something in an employee agreement in writing, if it violates a German law, the German law supersedes whatever you may have written in the contract. In addition, if you're hiring, let's say, more than 10 employees in the country, and those people have been working for six months or more, if you wanted to terminate one of your employees, you can't just terminate them at will, such as what's possible in Colorado, where I live. You actually have to consult what's called a works council that consists of employees. And these employees have power and you're not able to terminate that person until that case comes before the work council and it's reviewed and then you get permission then to terminate that employee. Also, there are times when the state, not just the works council, but the government actually has to approve a dismissal. For example, if a person is pregnant, if they're a young mother, if they're on parental leave, or if they're severely disabled, 
then it requires also government approval in order to dismiss the person. Now, there are also a number of benefits that German workers have. And I remember this when I was working in Germany, for sure. Didn't apply to me as an American person working for an American company. I was actually under the U.S. laws and rules. However, there were many people working in the workplace who were German citizens, and they were under the German rules. So, for example, people get a minimum of 20 days of vacation per year plus holidays. Now, most people that I knew personally, they had a minimum of six weeks of vacation. And that's actually more typical, having six weeks of vacation. 20 is just the minimum. In addition to that, German workers receive six weeks of sick leave. That's a lot. In addition to your vacation time, you have six weeks of sick leave. Also, so far as maternity leave, it is actually not allowed for that person to work six weeks prior to delivery. They're supposed to be on maternity leave six weeks prior to delivery, and then eight weeks post-delivery of the baby, they're continuing on maternity leave. And if there are special circumstances, such as multiple births or premature baby, you get 12 weeks post-birth of additional leave. In addition, a worker can only work eight hours a day. And with special permission, again from the government, and if you have a permit for this, they can be authorized to work up to 10 hours a day. So I really remember very often at a certain hour, maybe 4.30 in the afternoon or whatever, all the German people would leave and they'd be gone. And if there were longer hours to be worked, it would be the American workforce that had to cover those hours because Again, the German workers could not be made to work past an eight-hour day. In addition, you really cannot work them on holidays or on Sundays. So I remember on Sundays, we would walk downtown into the various places in Germany. and It was very popular to go on these Sunday afternoon walks. And if you were down in an open-air mall, such as we had in Wiesbaden, where I lived, you would see lots of shops and stores, and about 99% of them would be closed because people did not work on Sundays. Occasionally, you would see a cafe or an eating establishment that would be open on Sunday, but none of the retail operations would be open. So people just strolled through the area, took walks, and just enjoyed the day. It really wasn't for shopping. Similarly, if you went to a business, let's say on a work day, and Let's say you showed up in the shop and it was just before lunchtime. As soon as that 12 noon hour hit and it was lunchtime, the store could be filled with people ready to shop. They would close the entire store down and the proprietors and the sales clerks and people working in the store would run around and they would say, Mitag, Mitag, Mitag Essen. And Mitag means midday and Essen is food. So it would mean lunchtime. It's, a, it's lunchtime. They would batten down the hatches and you were kicked out. If you wanted to buy something, you had to come back. Even if you were in the middle of a purchase, don't dare bump up against that noontime hour because you would be asked to come back <laughs> if you were there during the lunchtime. So that's how strong that culture is that when it's lunchtime, you're supposed to be stopped and eating lunch. Now, also in the country, the minimum wage currently is 9.19 euros, 
which translates to 10.53 U.S. dollars. That's the minimum wage. So if you do not pay your workers the minimum wage, and let's say somehow you're under that, you will fall under very stiff penalties from the government for that infraction. So implications then, if you are a U.S.-based global company and you're working in Europe, keep in mind that all of the countries in Europe have their own rules, their own laws, and each of those countries is different. And if you're hiring workers from those countries, you have to provide the benefits and the rules and policies that apply to their country. So if you're operating in six countries, that may mean you have six different customized contracts for each of those geographical locations. And you wouldn't go there expecting that you're going to do the same thing as you would do in the United States. So that means U.S.-based companies have to think about the extra cost of that 20 days or six weeks vacation or the sick leave or the maternity leave and all of these extra aspects and even the minimum wage because you will be required to do all of those things. In addition, you can't just operate on your own doing whatever you think is best. There may be works councils that have to approve your actions and also government entities that also may need to approve what you're doing. Now, as I think about implications for just U.S. workers in general, just imagine that if we had the same value of balance in the United States or taking care of the worker and seeing and recognizing the worker as a fully rounded person and human being who you don't want to overwork, let's say beyond eight hours a day, or who you don't want to overwork by not having adequate vacation time, Just thinking about the fact that the workers are doing the bulk of the work in the organization, they're the reason for your success, and therefore you want to take care of them and maintain them. And very often in businesses, the tendency is to maintain a machine even more than we maintain a person. So we might get that machine oiled. We might make sure that it gets inspected on a regular basis. We might clean it. It may have its downtime. But what about people? People also need to be receiving even greater considerations if we really think about it. There's a lot of business advantage to what I'll call rest and maintenance. And the more time we spend on that, the longer we will have that resource in our service. And one of the things I noticed in Germany is that there is a culture of taking care of things. For example, the cars there, the German taxis at the time I lived there, they were all Mercedes. And those taxis were meticulously maintained. They were clean inside and out. They were later model vehicles in very good condition. And the drivers of those Mercedes taxis were very proud of their vehicles and the way that they maintained them. You could rest assured you could be dressed in beautiful business attire and you could ride anywhere in a taxi and not have to worry about getting dirty or being afraid to sit in a chair or anything of the sort. So if I think about our U.S.-based work environment, I'm thinking that there really is a value to partnerships between employees and workers that ensure a win-win 
for all persons concerned. As many of you know who've been listening for a while, you know that I've been fortunate enough to work with many global organizations. And this segment that we're doing today may appeal a lot to those of you who are already in the global marketplace. And therefore, you understand the value of this information and being able to apply it to your business. For those of you who are not playing in the global marketplace yet, keep in mind that we are living in a global world and being aware of these global aspects is still a value add to your business, even if you're working locally in the U.S. And I'm highlighting in the spirit, I'd say, of learning from others, some of this information that shows some benefits from another culture. And this is not to say that we don't also have wonderful benefits in the United States. Of course we do. And we're always talking about that. And our culture is known as being a very hardworking and innovative culture in its own right. Yet, I'm also encouraging all of us to learn from others along the way. Sometimes we forget that there are best practices in other cultures and countries as well. So since I've spent some time in Germany myself, I wanted to highlight that and let you know what's going on elsewhere. So find something that you can learn from and apply to your business and join me next time as well, because next time I'm going to be talking about why it's smart to partner with your people. And it's a little bit of a takeoff even from what we're talking about today. So in the spirit of Germany, I'm going to say goodbye in German. Auf Wiedersehen! You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.